So I'm just going to start with just start with the scripture. Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Assyria, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of a living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So, so Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? And you know, that was a big question then, and I believe this is still a huge question 2,000 years later. Who is Jesus? What was Jesus all about? You know, I read a, a quote from a historian once. He's, he wasn't a Christian, but he said in his mind there was no doubt in whatsoever that there has been no human being more influential than Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't know how anyone could argue with that statement, really. You know, when there's you know, billions of followers of Jesus here 2,000 years later, there's been no human, obviously it's fully God, but fully God and fully human, but no human being has influenced our world in, in, in any way more than Jesus. And it's still an important question. Who is Jesus? And, you know, I've said this before, but you could, you could kind of stick it in Google, who is Jesus, and kind of all kind of different things will come up about who Jesus is. And it's a great, it's a great uh, way of starting a conversation with, with non-Christians. Often, if you, you know, we, we talk a lot as a, as, a, as a church about soul winning and you know, our responsibility on us to, to win others to Christ and to tell other people to Christ. Obviously, obviously it's, it's ultimately it's the Holy Spirit, obviously, that wins people to Christ. But you know what I mean? Our responsibility to tell people. And it's a great question to start with. Just, what do you think about Jesus? It's a great question. And people often will have an answer. Even if it's just, well, I just don't believe he even existed. Well, it's still an answer, isn't it? Um, uh, Jack, my son, he was telling me at his school, he has so many conversations with people, <laughs> with his friends who think that Jesus is just a fairy tale. It was like, well, all, all historians accept that Jesus existed, you know, regardless of what they think about who he was. It definitely was no fairy tale. Amen. But it's a, great, it's a great question to start a conversation with non-Christians, so I'd encourage you in that. Just, just ask, so well, who do, what do you think about Jesus? And you can just have a, start having a conversation off the back, the back of that. So, so that's the context. It's Jesus asking this question. But what I want to kind of draw out of this this morning and speak about this week and, and next week is about us as Christians, we also need to have the right view about Jesus. We know we live in a world where we're just confused um, in many different ways, and one of those things would be about Jesus and all sorts of different interpretations of who, who he was. But for us as Christians, we need to have a correct view. And I think sometimes, even, even as believers, we can sometimes have an incorrect view of who Jesus is. Now, Wendy said this morning about not putting Jesus in a box, and I think so often as, as believers, then, then we can do that. We try to make Jesus fit in kind of the nice box that we've created for him in some ways. You know, we've kind of almost like created our own version of Jesus. You know, and Jesus, you cannot put Jesus in any kind of box you can't just like just some kind of well. This this is what I think Jesus Jesus should be. This is, this is what I think he is, and this this is who he is. It, there's far more to it than that. Amen. You know, no one could define Jesus two thousand years ago. No one could define define Jesus. He totally blew the mold on everyone's expectations of who who was going to be. He blew their expectations of who the Messiah was going to be. This is why the Jewish leaders and the rabbis they they didn't understand. They just did not get Jesus. That's that's the reality, wasn't it? They just didn't get him. Because they were like, well, we're under the Roman Empire, which was happening at the time, and, and they expected the Messiah to come in like on a big white horse and would like, would like kill all the Romans and, and get rid of them and would like set Israel free. This is what they had in their head of what the Messiah was going to do. So when Jesus didn't do that, 
and you know, talk about love and peace and compassion and, and, and obviously challenged lots of things as well and challenged all the religious leaders and the religion they were tying people up in and all that kind of stuff and then didn't set them free from the Romans and you know, he said big statements like give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God's what is God's. It says, the scripture says they were totally amazed by his answers. They're like, hang on, I thought you were going to get rid of Caesar. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So the, so the whole, they were just confused about who Jesus was. They just did not get him and, what, and what, what he was doing. And then he would heal on the Sabbath and all those kind of things, which just totally blew their mind. They, they classed that as work, and you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. So, like, you can't heal. You know, they're more interested in just the kind of their own rules and regulations that they'd made, that they'd made up, you know, rather than about the people being, being healed. Jesus would challenge that over and over again. We'll say, well, hang on a minute. If you had a sheep that falls into a pit on a, on a Saturday, are you seriously saying you wouldn't go and rescue it? Of course you would. So, so why are you saying a sheep is more important, more important than this human being that I've just healed and, and saved their lives and changed their lives, right? Now, of course, Scripture does say about uh, keeping the Sabbath, Sabbath holy, but they'd made up their own kind of rules and regulations about what was work and what wasn't. And it, just, it was all just kind of, yeah, it was all just man-made, man-made stuff. And yeah, there's another time when Jesus heals a paralytic man, paralyzed man, and the, their issue is that he just picked up his mat. That's, that's actually their issue. They're, they're not celebrating the fact that the man's been healed. They're like, he picked up his mat, which, which again, they'd made up this weird rule. If you pick up a mat on a Saturday, that's not allowed. That's breaking the rules and regulations. It's not in the Bible. They just made it up. So all they were obsessed with, oh, no, no, this is, we don't care about the man being healed. Oh, he picked up his mat. He's breaking our rules and regulations. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But that was the reality of where they were. They just did not get Jesus. And Jesus makes that great point, you know, that the Sabbath was made, made for man, was you know, made for the Son of Man, not the Son of Man for the Sabbath. Jesus had the authority to do whatever he liked on the Sabbath. It's basically what Jesus was saying. So it's really important for us as believers to have the correct view of Jesus too. Amen? You know, Jesus was not, was not a Western person. I hope you all know that. Jesus wasn't British. He wasn't American. A lot of Americans need to discover this fact. Uh, he, wasn't, he definitely wasn't American. He wasn't, he wasn't conservative. He wasn't a Republican. He wasn't a socialist. He wasn't a Democrat. In fact, he was not political at all. And I'm not saying all this because we just prayed about this. <laughs> this is my message anyway. But this is, this is the reality. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't talk about politics. Jesus wasn't swayed by people's, people's opinions of him. Public opinion did not matter to him. He was not in any way a populist. He said what the popular thing to say was. In fact, he often said what was very unpopular. He wasn't prepared. Jesus was not prepared to fit anyone's preconceptions of who he was supposed to be. So they had their preconceived ideas. This is what I think Jesus should be. This is what I think the Messiah, the Christ, should be. And Jesus was not prepared to fit anyone's misconceptions either. So when he said things, and they totally misunderstood it, Jesus didn't, didn't change his view, he didn't change his angle, he didn't justify what he said. So he wouldn't fit anyone's preconceptions or misconceptions. This is who Jesus was, amen? You know, we have to sometimes remember this, you, um, that we kind of go off on a tangent. You see some of the kind of the old, um, especially some of the old kind of movies about Jesus. And you think, like, Jesus wasn't Californian. It's like, where's this blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus? Hardly any Jews have blonde hair or blue eyes. It's incredibly rare. And it's like, but they have like this Western view of who Jesus, Jesus is. And we just have to be so, so careful that we haven't put Jesus in a mold. Does that make sense? And... And, and this has been my discovery and observation as a pastor, and I'm not judging anyone in any way or shape or form today, but just I think this stuff needs to be talked about. It's important. That sometimes, this has been my observation, is sometimes Christians, including Pentecostal Christians, can often go to real extremes to, of who Jesus was and go to one extreme or the other extreme. Now, what I mean by that, because Jesus had a whole load of stuff, and Jesus challenged a whole load of stuff, but he also talked about love and compassion and, uh, and ethics and all that kind of stuff as well. But often, as Christians, we can go to one extreme. We have to be so, so careful that we have a balanced view of who Jesus was and what he said. 
Now, for, now, for example, there's one extreme, and some, I've seen, especially on, on YouTube, if you, some Christians you see on YouTube, sadly, some Christian teaching you see on YouTube or maybe other places, they have, they've gone basically to a very judgmental, legalistic box over one side. They, they focus on Jesus, only focus on things like Jesus, what Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats and people being separated, and Jesus did say it all. Well, absolutely, we can't ignore stuff that Jesus said. He did talk about that. But they kind of go down a very judgmental, legalistic, legalistic thing. Sometimes I've seen some of their teaching. You kind of think, do, people, do they even want people to go to heaven? And I'm not even joking. <laughs> you hear some of it. Like, you do want people to be saved, right? Because, you know, Jesus said, it's not, Jesus said it's not God's will that any should perish. That's, 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 a, that's a reality. He did not come into the John 3.17 so often gets forgotten because John 3.16 is such a big focus on. But John 3.17 said the Son of Man didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. We have to remember these realities, right? But so often we can have such this kind of extreme of Christianity, so judgmental, so legalistic, telling about how it's going on, about how terrible the world is, and, and only focus on a judgment. And we know there will be an ultimate judgment at the end of time, and of course that's all, that's all true. But that kind of in that extreme, there's no concept of love, of compassion, of justice, which Jesus talked about loads. And, and one thing, this has been my observation, there's so often there's people that go to the completely opposite extreme of that in a kind of version of who Jesus is, when he's some sort of, like I said, some sort of left-wing Californian hippie. <laughs> and he just talks about love, compassion, um, and that's all they focus on. You can do whatever you like, it doesn't matter. Well, Jesus never said that, did he? Jesus didn't say that at all. Jesus, Jesus challenged the way we lived over and over and over again. He challenged the way the people were listening to him, the way they lived. But he's some sort of, like I said, some kind of just kind of liberal liberty. Liberal Libby, liberal hippie, <laughs> Libby, not your child, liberal hippie, some kind of uh, left-wing liberal hippie, and it's just like, well, just, just do whatever you like, it doesn't matter. God's going to love you anyway. Well, it's true, God will love you anyway, that's true, but does it matter what we do? Well, of course it matters, right? God doesn't promise that we can do whatever we like and God will just bless it anyway. That's, Jesus never said that at all. It's just a made-up made up theology, that is. So... So teaching like that has no concept of what all Jesus said about us changing and becoming more Christ-like, where Jesus spoke about loads. Does that make sense? So often this, this has been my observation. Sometimes you can see this stuff, sadly, in some arms of Christianity or some wings of Christianity where they go to one extreme or the other. It's very judgmental, legalistic, one wing, and, and another wing where everything's kind of very liberal. You can do whatever you like. God just loves you anyway. Well, it's really, it doesn't really matter. No, neither of those is scriptural, right? Everyone agree? Neither of those is... is it's scriptural. Jesus talked about a whole load of stuff. So what I'm going to talk about is who is the real Jesus? Because it's really important that we have the correct view. So Jesus is the king, amen? amen. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords, and he's king of a kingdom, king of the kingdom of God. And for us as believers, we've been brought out of one dominion, out of darkness. He's not the kingdom of darkness. As I always say, the devil is not a king of anything. We've been brought out of the dominion of darkness. We've been brought into the kingdom of light. Amen? So Jesus is the king, and, and Jesus spent lots of his time teaching about, the, as the king, teaching about the principles of the kingdom. As I said, they weren't influenced by politics. He wasn't that interested. I mean, he wanted people to be saved, obviously, but he wasn't that interested whether people agreed with him or not. He was saying, this is what the kingdom looks like. You need to understand this. This, this is what the kingdom looks like. Amen? So we need to have a real balanced view as Christians as to what, who Jesus is and what, what he taught. Amen. So we're not going to like some some just you know some wing, or we're just not so, or we haven't boxed Jesus in somewhere. 
where we kind of pick and choose who Jesus was. Well, I like that bit of Jesus. I love the love and compassion bit, and who, who wouldn't love her? But I don't like the bit about I might have to change, or, or you know, the other wing, where you just, just focus on judgment, 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 legalism, which obviously Jesus had loads to say about the issues with legalism, how he didn't agree with it. But there's no, there's no love, there's no compassion, compassion for people. It's just judging people. And, you know, like I said, and it's just, that's going to the opposite wing. So it's really important that we have a correct view of Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to kind of cover for this, this today, this day, today is the word, today and, and next week, just talking and looking at these kind of two different, two different aspects of who Jesus was. Amen. So we're going to look at next week is about love and, and, and compassion and all that Jesus said about that, about justice, about, about, about ethics and all that kind of stuff. But what I want to talk about today is kind of not, not another wing, okay, but just stuff, other stuff that Jesus talked about because it's really important for us to have a balanced view. So what I want to talk about today is that Jesus wants you to change. Jesus wants you to change and me. And Jesus wants us to change. Now, hopefully that hasn't come as a shock to anyone this morning. I'm shocked by that. <laughs> like, oh, oh, did not know, did not know that reality. Okay. Hopefully this is not a shock to anyone that Jesus wants you to change. Okay, wherever you're at in your journey with God, Jesus still wants you to change. And it doesn't mean say he hasn't changed you already, but there's still ongoing change that he wants to do in your life. Amen. As a church, this is, this is kind of like the way we, we look at these issues because there's a lot of confusion out in society. Like, is everybody welcome in church? Of course everybody's welcome in church. There should never be any confusion about that. Absolutely. Whatever their lifestyles, whatever their backgrounds, everyone should be welcome in church. I totally, totally agree with that principle. It has to be the right principle, right? And Jesus was, if Jesus was on earth, that, that would entirely be his principle. So it has to be our principle. Absolutely. But as a church, what we say is come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And that's basically the way that Jesus dealt with people. He welcomed everybody, absolutely. In fact, he was heavily criticized, wasn't he, for the people he hung around with. Like, like what, what's, you know, the religious leaders like, what, what are you doing, Jesus? Hanging around with prostitutes and, and tax collectors who were hated. And, and being a prostitute was like the worst thing you could possibly do. And tax collecting wasn't far behind it in, in the way that they kind of saw those things. And, and Jesus was like, hang on a minute, it's, it's not the health that need a doctor, it's, it's the sick. Right? It was Jesus' amazing answer. We'll talk more about that next week. But... So anyone can come as they are, but does that mean to say God wants you to stay as you are? Well, not necessarily. In fact, I would say definitely. <laughs> he doesn't want you to stay as you are. He wants, he wants to bring change in your life. He wants, to, he wants to change you into becoming more and more Christ-like. And that's true for, for all of us. Amen? So come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Then, so I'm going to read from Matthew 16, which Wendy alluded to earlier, about taking up your cross. And Jesus said to his disciples, this is what I really want to focus on this morning. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, and hopefully that includes all of us, you want to be God's disciple, Jesus' disciple, amen. Whoever wants to be my disciple must, must, not, not maybe, this would be a nice idea, this would be good, things will work out better if you do this. No, you must, right? That's what, what he, I'm just reading it out. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, they must take up their cross, and they must follow me. Verse 25, whoever wants to live their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit the soul? What a great question. What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. So we're talking about the principles of Jesus, the King, and the principles of his kingdom that he oversees as the King. Amen? Yeah, Matthew, Matthew 6, Jesus said about seek first the kingdom. Amen? 
But I believe that means it's just, just seek, first, seek first the king and, and the principles of his kingdom. That's kind of, I'm not like making up my own version of the Bible here. <laughs> but that's kind of how I interpret, that's, that's how that outworks in our lives. When Jesus says seek first the kingdom, seek first the king, that's Jesus, and, and, and the principles of his kingdom. Amen. So, we, so we're going to do that. Let's look at these principles. This is what Jesus talked about. So I'm going to kind of break that down, that particular verse. First, if you could put verse 24 back up, please. Okay, awesome. Whoever wants to be my disciple, they must. If you want to be a disciple, this is what you're going to, you're going to have to do. You, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross, and you must follow me. So I'm going to break down those different, different uh, three things. This so fits in, as I said earlier, about with what Wendy shared just a minute ago about finding a surrender at the cross. So it's definitely something the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about. Amen. So first, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, we must deny ourselves. So what does that, what does that, actually, what does that actually look like? Well, if we want to call ourselves a disciple of Jesus, then that's going to mean laying down some things. Anyone discovered this reality? Right? Well, it's just me. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if we're going to call ourselves disciples, that's going to mean laying down some things. It's going to mean laying down our own wants and desires versus what God wants and desires. Sorry, again, if this is, if this is like bad news for this morning, but this is reality of being, being a Christian, being a believer, being a disciple. Amen? It's going to mean laying down our own wants and desires and saying, God, what I want in my life is what, is what you want. Your wants and desires. It means making a choice on, on, on a daily basis to live for God. You know, the world, the world does what the world does. And that's, that's reality. The world does what the world does, but we're, we're not in the world. So we are in the world, but we're not of the world. That's what Scripture says. Amen? The world does what the world does. Amen? But we're called to live a different, live a different way. Amen? To make the choice on a daily basis to live for God. We're, we're, we're called as, as believers to be eternally minded, and not, and not now-minded. You know, we live in a society where everything's just about now, isn't it? I, I want the pleasure now. I want it, I want it now. <laughs> and the world's kind of got faster and faster, especially with the internet and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, information you can just get now. Do you remember those days when you have to, you used to have to wait for information? It's just, I don't know how we would actually cope. This is a genuine question. I don't actually know how we'd cope as a society. If the, imagine the internet stopped tomorrow and we just didn't have it anymore. Well, I don't think we could cope, would we? But like, well, how do I find out anything? <laughs> well, like, well, the same way people found out before in 1995, you know what I mean? Well, find it in a book. Do you remember like, when you had people used to sell the Encyclopedia Britannica? Do you remember those days? And they'd come to your door and they'd like, right, you can buy 20 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Do you remember that? It was like the only way of knowing anything, wasn't it? There was no other way of finding out information. It just seems so, it just seems so ludicrous now, doesn't it? But that was just a reality, wasn't it? Yeah, so we live in a, you know, such a fast-moving world. Everything, everybody wants everything now, and we, we've got, just got used to how to find that, that now. And, you know, this, these devices that we carry around, you know, that have more technology than, than in the rocket that sent man to the moon in 1969. It's, like, it's, it's crazy just wrapping your heads around those realities. We're just, so, we're just so used to it, aren't we? But so many people in our, in our world, they're just so now-minded. You know, we, are, we are called to be eternally-minded. Remembering that this time on earth are, are 80, 90, 100 years, hopefully, that we'll get on this earth. It's, you know, our lives are in God's hands. But hopefully those 80, 90, 100 years that we'll get on, on, on this planet, they are just a tiny speck, maybe specks probably an exaggeration even, just a tiny speck on the, in the timeline of our, of our life. Amen? That we are, we are eternal people. Amen? Everyone know that. Amen? We are eternal. The spiritual part of who we are, this physical body is, is deteriorating, as we often discover on a daily basis. But that's just, it's a reality. This tent, as, as Apostle Paul calls it, you know, is, is deteriorated. But the spirit of who we are will live forever. Amen. So when we make when we make decisions, what we're going to do? Let's just be eternally minded. Jesus addresses. He, he was talking about money, but it would be so many different contexts. 
Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, Jesus said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus was addressing this very point. It's like you need to be eternally minded about these things. What's the point of storing yourself up for tons of money on, on earth? When, when you can't take it with you, take, take it with you anyway. Store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Be eternally minded in the decisions that you make. Amen? Be spiritually minded versus carnally minded. That's not being like the world. Let's make great spiritual decisions. So Wendy's addresses this morning, but he's a reality. Is Jesus Lord of every area of our lives? It's a question to ask yourself. It's not a question between me and you. It's a question between you, you and God. Is Jesus Lord of it? You know the answer to it. I don't know the answer. There's a few to answer between you and God. Is Jesus Lord of every area of your life? Is he, is he Lord you know, of your marriage, of your finances, of your sexuality, of, of, your, of your children, of, of your job, of your house? We can go through, we can go and go through every area of who you are. Is, G, is Jesus Lord? And I believe if, we, if we're going to be the disciples that Jesus wants us to be, this is something that we need to deal with. That's why Jesus starts with this first point. The starting place is you have to deny yourself. And to realize it's not about us, it's about him. Amen. As John the Baptist said, um, you know, as it was coming towards the end of John the Baptist's ministry, and John the Baptist, he was basically almost like the warm-up act for Jesus, wasn't he? That's was basically <laughs> his job. It was like basically you've got to warm the people up for the Messiah that's coming next. That's basically his his kind of criteria to follow. And, and as Jesus Jesus came along, he's like, now I must I must decrease, and you know, he must increase. You know, everything about John the Baptist, and he kind of represented the end of kind of the law, the legal the legal system. You know, Jesus himself said, whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. And that's what Jesus was talking about. It's like whoever, whoever you know, a believer, a Christian, if you're least in the kingdom of heaven, you're greater than John the Baptist. Because he was like the end of the, the old, New, old Testament prophets, kind of represented that, that period being over. And then his, so his, his, his kind of John the Baptist thing was, that, like I said, to be the warm-up act and to kind of close the Old Testament. We have our Bible, don't we, divided into two. It's like John the Baptist, this is kind of how I, how I see it. Is John the Baptist, that was kind of his job, to be the warm-up act of Jesus, kind of to close the Old Testament off as like the last of the Old Testament prophets. And then to introduce Jesus as he did, he's like, look, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, sin of the world. And then he's going to deal with this issue once and for all. Amen. Praise God. So is, is Jesus Lord of every area of our lives? Who are we living for? So I believe this is just a big fundamental first question to answer. And I don't think it's necessarily something you can just answer once and say, yeah, now it's done and dusted. It's, it's a daily thing to answer in your life. Is Jesus Lord of every area? of our lives it's challenging right but it's what jesus said we must deny ourselves time's going quick let's move on so he must say if you want to be a disciple we must deny ourselves we must take up our cross now for me i believe what this was talking about here is the journey of discipleship everything everything starts at the cross but also the journey of discipleship in jesus this is our, our cross to bear luke luke 9 that has a, the same passage in the book of luke it says we should, that Jesus said we need to take up our cross daily. It's a daily thing of taking up your cross. It's not just a once and for all thing. So I don't believe this is just talking about salvation, which is ultimately where we meet Jesus at the cross, right? And he deals with our sin and, and gives us a brand new nature. But it's also a daily thing to take up our cross. Amen? So the way I would in, interpret this for us as believers 2,000 years later is to have a daily devotional life. To have a daily devotional life. Now, Wendy once did a message on, on that and... You sang a song, didn't you? Do you know the song Totally Devoted to You from, from Greece? Yeah. When, when he sang that, you had to be there. It was an amazing, amazing moment. I don't know how to interpret the word amazing, but it was an amazing moment. 
she sang at the front and sung Totally Devoted to You as Sandy. Well, we won't dress as Sandy, but it was good. Anyway, it's a great moment. But that is the reality. Is we do need to be totally devoted to God on a daily basis. Amen? Luke 10, verse this. Uh, Luke 10, verse 38 says this. Well-known story. Wendy's mentioned this a few times before about Mary and Mary and Martha. We know, that we know this well, but it's, it's important to talk about this stuff. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? She's very bold, isn't she? <laughs> to say that's the Messiah. Anyway, <laughs> don't, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So the whole principle of what, what, what's been talked about here is just the, the principle of devotion. Amen? When, you, when you've got the Messiah in your house, don't, don't you, you know, yeah, of course, you should think about servanthood and maybe whether Jesus wants a cup of tea or whatever they would have been drinking then. <laughs> Probably not a tea, would it? <laughs> whatever they would have been drinking. Um, but, but, Martha had, but Mary had the right idea. She's like, Messiah's in my house. There's anywhere a place where I'm going to be. I'm going to be where the Messiah is. I want to sit at his feet and find out what, he, what, he's, got, what he's got to say. Amen? And just spend time in his presence. So you see that kind of life of devotion in Mary. And I believe this will be the same, this will be the same outworking in us. For us to take up our cross daily. So what, for, for that, for, sorry, for what that means, that would mean daily prayer, mean daily worship, mean daily Bible reading or Bible study. It means daily change. Remember what we're talking about is change. That God wants to change you. What this means is daily change. On a, on a daily basis, God wants you to be different by the end of the day than you were at the beginning of the day. Again, I hope that's not a shock to you. <laughs> Amen. But, and I can give so many examples of my own life where, where, God is, where God has done that in me, where I've just read a scripture and it's totally transformed my thinking. You know, we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Scripture says, Romans 12, 1 and 2, says that. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. The world has a pattern. It does what it does. But that's not us, right? We're in the world, but not of it. Let's, let's, have our, 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 let's get into this. Amen. <laughs> read what it says. Apply it to ourselves and our thinking will be transformed. So taking up a cross daily I mean, daily, daily prayer, I'd encourage you to communicate with God on a, on a daily, daily basis. Amen? To have day, daily worship. Even if that mean, just means sticking on worship when you're on your drive to work or wherever you get to work. Stick, stick on some worship. Start, start the day right. Amen? Honor, honor God. Read the Bible on a daily basis. I don't mean you've got to read like 15 chapters a day. You're probably going to struggle to squeeze that in on some days, right? You know, one, one verse, one verse of scripture can radically change your life. I'm, I'm serious. It's just, it isn't about how much you read, although I'd encourage you to read through the whole Bible, even if it takes you several years. I certainly would encourage that. But it's not about how much you read, it's about the impact it's having in your life. That's what really matters, because you could read 15 chapters a day from Leviticus, and all you've learned about is some laws and mold and, and how they used to deal with these things. <laughs> okay? and obviously, it's scripture. I don't mean it's not important, but it's, not gonna change, it's probably not going to change your life, is it? It's unlikely. Okay, so what, what, what matters, and, don't, and I don't mean don't read Leviticus either, okay, so don't diss me on that, don't email me, say, you said Leviticus is not right. Okay, <laughs> that isn't what I'm saying, okay. But, it, but it, is, it does talk about a lot of the law, which obviously the whole point of the law was always to point towards Jesus. Remember, always remember that when you're reading the law, and it does feel, it can almost feel a bit dry, kind of think what it's all about. But remember, it's all about pointing towards Jesus and the need for Jesus. That's the context to read it. Anyway, but one, one verse can radically change, change your life, and that has been so true in, in, in my own life. 
So if we want to be a disciple, we must deny ourselves. That means denying our own wants and desires and saying, God, what, what you want to do in my life, that's ultimately what I want. Making the choice to live for God, being eternally minded and not now minded, being spiritually minded versus carnally minded. And we must take up our cross daily. It means living a life of devotion, daily prayer, daily worship, daily Bible reading or Bible study. In other words, daily change. <laughs> Amen. And thirdly, Jesus said we had to follow him. If you want to be my disciple, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. So what, is, what, is, what does that look like? Well, what I believe that, that means is going against the flow. Going against the flow. What does it mean to follow Jesus? You know, Alice Cooper, the, the well-known kind of rock star, legendary rock star, who's now, I don't know if you know, but he's now a Christian. And he really, he genuinely is. He's a born-again Christian. He's been saved by Christ. Amazing. And he's, and he's you, know, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, dealt with his past and all kind of stuff that he used to do as, a, as, as rock stars do. He's kind of dealt with, uh, dealt with all his past and he repented for that, etc. Anyway, he made a great quote. He said, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not hard to get drunk. He said, it's not hard to go into a hotel room and trash it. He said, that's easy. He said, following Jesus Christ. He said, that's real rebellion. And, and that's, that's a reality, right? It's easy to do what the world does. It's easy to get drunk. Well, that's not hard, is it? It's easy to sleep around. Well, that's not hard. You know, but, but, but real rebellion is, is following Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate rebel. And I don't mean that in any kind of disrespectful way, but he was the ultimate rebel. This is why people, didn't, again, didn't get him, did they? The religious leaders didn't get him, and those that weren't that religious didn't really get him either. Because he was, he was talking about a whole new kingdom, or, or at least a whole new revelation of that kingdom. But they just didn't, people just didn't necessarily get him. But that, that is real rebellion. It's going, again, I've talked to my kids about this, about, you know, just being courageous, courageous in this, and people think, can think as Christians, you know, we're weird, and we're, why don't you swear, and why don't you do that, why don't you sleep around, and why don't you do drugs, and why don't you do it, <laughs> why don't you get drunk, and all those, why don't you go to nightclubs, all those kind of big questions that, that, that people will ask, but real rebellion, real courage is, is going with Jesus, amen? It's easy to go with the flow, but that's not difficult, is it? Right? I just think about this analogy, like a, a raft, if you think about it, like a raft that goes downstream in rapids, you know, the raft, if they don't really have to even do much rowing other than maybe stop it overturning. But it, just, it would just go with the flow, wouldn't it? Anyway, it would end up where it needs to end up. Anyway, yeah, but what's actually really, really hard is, is in a raft or a kayak, and it's apparently this can, I looked this up, this, it can be done, but it's very hard work, and you have to be very strong to be able to do it, is you can go against the flow. But it's very, very hard work. <laughs> you need a lot of upper body strength. You need to understand the rapids. But you can go against the flow of the rapids. But it's incredibly difficult. And, that, and that's the reality of a life for a Christian. It's not easy to go against the flow. And of course, we can do it with God's help. Okay, I'm not like, you should go away thinking, oh, this is a bit hard. Okay, but, but that is the reality, isn't it? It's easy to go with the flow. But going, making the choice to go against it is a whole different thing. That, that, that is real rebellion. You know, following Jesus in, in our modern age, it means making some choices about things. I said, we're in the world, we're not of it. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I particularly want to focus on what Jesus says when he says he is the truth. And I believe this is an incredible statement. And, and it's just as true now, 2,000 years ago, as it was when, it said, you know, when Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. I'm the way and the truth and the life. We live in a world that's totally lost its way. It has no idea what truth is and it's desperate to find life. That's basically the three issues our world has, isn't it? It's totally lost its way. Everyone's confused. People don't even know who they are anymore. It's just, it's, the confusion is just getting worse and worse and worse. 
People don't know what truth is. It's kind of like all denial of absolute truth. Well, it's just, what, what, what is my truth? You hear this all the time, don't you? This is my truth. This is my version of truth. And, and people are desperate to find life, and they'll look everywhere, apart from, apart from in Christ often, to try and find, try and find life. So this is just as, just, as, just as powerful now as when Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus answers those three fundamental questions. You want to know what the way is in life? It's me. If you want to know what truth is, it's me. If you want to find life, it's me. Amen? No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no, there's no, other, there's no, other, no other paths. There's no one else. If you want to find a way to Father God, it's only through me, Jesus. Amen? So we live, so we live in, in, a, in a my truth world. And, and as Christians, again, this is, this is going to mean going against the flow. There's a lot of stuff I often I've seen on YouTube where they have like debates between Christians and, and, and atheists. It's just this kind of stuff interests me about Christian apologetics and understanding this stuff and how to react to that and how to the right things to say in those kind of contexts. But you kind of see that so often they come across this my truth world. Well, I, well, I've got my own version of truth. Well, if seven billion people have got their own my version of truth, we've got all we've got now is seven billion truths, right? Is that true or not? Right? Well, it's probably near eight billion now. The population of the planet, isn't it? Um, if all you've then got is eight billion truths, well, that hasn't resolved anything, has it? All we know, all we now is eight. All we, know now, all we now know is eight billion different versions. But Jesus is the truth, not a truth, not a version of the truth. It's not a, Jesus wasn't saying it's, it's his truth. He's saying he is the truth. Amen. Amen? Yeah. It's the truth that will set us that set us free. Yeah. Amen. You know, I, I did a quote from a non-Christian historian earlier. I've got another one. So the guy isn't a Christian, but he made this great quote. He said, "What is the point?" of the church if it looked exactly like the world. I thought it was great. I thought it was very, very perceptive for a non-Christian to understand that. So what is the point of the church with all kind of the church that's going on these days and, and churches have this struggle thing, well, we've got to become more liberal, otherwise no one's ever going to accept us. And, you know, I talked about earlier about the liberal kind of, going off the liberal wing, the kind of liberal extreme. We've just, all we can talk about is Jesus' love. We can't talk about anything else. We can't talk about changing. We can't talk about it, it might mean lifestyle change. We can't talk about any of that because that might offend people. And this quote, a non-Christian saying, what's the point of the church if it looks exactly like the world? That's a great point, isn't it? What is the point of the church? If we, are, if we are no different to the world, there isn't any point to us, is there? We're not saying that's the whole purpose of the church. Amen? A church, remember, church isn't a building, it's just a gathering of people. The whole purpose of the church is to show the world there is a different way to live. And, and we are totally countercultural. In Jesus' Jesus time, when he said all this stuff, it was totally countercultural. That's what I said about what people just didn't get who Jesus was. It was countercultural then, it was countercultural now. Amen? It's, it's, it's radical. People couldn't believe how Jesus says it over and over again that the people listened. They were amazed by his answers. It was totally radical. They'd never heard any of this stuff before. They couldn't understand how he spoke with such authority either. That comes up again and again. They're like, who is this guy? He speaks with so much authority. He doesn't speak like our rabbis. He speaks as someone completely different. But it was, it was so radically different to what people had heard before. Amen? Now, there's, there's a song that we, we sing sometimes. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And that's, that's a reality. If we we're going to be Jesus' disciples, let's make that a daily reality. I've decided to follow Jesus. Amen? And that means making some radical decisions. It might mean you get some criticism from your neighbors, your friends, your work colleagues. Inevitably, it will. That's a reality. But let's be people who go against the flow. Understand, this is what real rebellion is anyway. <laughs> and it's easy to go with the flow. Let's be people who, who make, that on a, make that choice on a daily basis to follow Jesus. And in my own life, I had to make so many decisions. I went through secondary school. Was a, a Jack's, had not struggles, but just had some challenges recently. Um, stuff, you know, stuff that gets taught in secondary schools and just the culture these days. And 
and um, we kind of had a whole conversation because I was at secondary school as, as a Christian as well. I, I know what it's like. You just kind of get constant criticisms, people not understanding who, who you are and why you, why you make decisions that you do, not understanding Christianity at all. And I had to just keep learning, learn that over and over the years that, no, I'm just going to make the decision to follow Jesus. And I've learned that in the workplace. You know, I've worked in secular workplaces before as a minister. And, and it is a challenge, right? It's to- totally countercultural. People will not people will not necessarily get you. I'll discover this. This is just me. <laughs> people will not necessarily get you. They won't understand what it's all about because because you're so radically different. You know, but that's exactly what we're called to do. What's the point of the church if it looks exactly like the world? I mean, this is what we're called to do, to look radically different. Amen. So let's just take this on board. When it comes to Christianity, I'll go to any extremes on it. Let's have a balanced view of who Jesus is. And I'm going to talk about a lot more next week, like I said, about his love, compassion, justice, grace, mercy, and all those things that Jesus talked about as well. But the focus for today, Jesus wants to change you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Praise God. Praise God. I just want to pray for you all first. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for Lord, for all the amazing teaching, Lord, that we have in Scripture, all the things that you said. Lord, and we know that it was kind of countercultural then and radical then, Lord, and it still, it still, Lord, is now. Oh, God. Lord, and I pray you just help us to be people, Lord, to Lord, deny ourselves. Because we want to be your disciples, Lord. We want to deny ourselves. We want to take up our cross daily. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to have a daily life of devotion. We make a choice to follow you. We want to deny ourselves. We want to make great decisions. Lord, we want to be spiritually, spiritually minded. Lord, not carnally minded. We don't want to do what the world does. We're in the world, but we're not of, of the world. I pray there'll be people like Joshua and Caleb, people of a different spirit. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord, to be the best disciples that we can possibly be. And we know, Lord, that's an ongoing journey. Oh, God. But help us to be the best disciples, Lord, for you today that we can possibly be. And as we go tomorrow, for, or, or maybe even today, back into the workplace or in our, into our communities, Lord, help us to be the best disciples, Lord, we can be for you. Lord, help us to be a light in the darkness, in this world that is so confused, lost its way, doesn't know what truth is, and doesn't know where to find life. Lord, I pray, Lord, you help us, Lord, to, Lord, to, just to, to challenge that culture, Lord, but to bring your light into that situation. Lord, of who you are, Lord, help, Lord, reveal you to others. I pray, Lord, that people will see you in us. Lord, Lord, that people it will generate uh, questions. And, um, Lord, we know that some people won't necessarily get us, but we pray, Lord, it will generate questions. Why do you do what you do? Why do you live the way that you live? I pray, Lord, it will generate stuff. Lord, we've had conversations off the back of that. Lord, we want to see people saved. We want to see our friends, family, work colleagues, neighbors, our community saved for you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. You're so, so good. You're so, so good, Lord. I just want to just give an opportunity just for a second prayer this morning. If you don't yet know God or maybe you've just gone off track in your relationship with God and you've just been challenged by the message this morning and no, one, no one's judging you. As I said, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. But the reality is, and Jesus isn't condemning when he says this, but he does want to change you. That's the reality. And it might mean changes, making some changes in your lifestyle. And he's not going to beat you up, condemn you, or anything that make you feel bad. He's not going to do any of those things because that's not who Jesus is. But is, he going to, does, is there an expectation from him to, to make changes? There absolutely is. And that's, that's what Jesus wants to see. He wants us to become more like him, to become more Christ-like is the way the Bible describes it. And if that's you this morning, 
and you've never invited God into your life or you just need to get some things back on track this morning, I'd encourage you just to pray this prayer, mean it with all of your heart, and God will come into your life. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me so that I could have life and life to the full. I invite you now into my life. I ask you to change me, to forgive me, to make me new. I want to live for you. I want to be your disciple. Help me to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before or you're getting some things right, just doing business with God this morning, I just encourage you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me this morning. I need to get things sorted out with God. Don't go home with regrets. Don't miss your opportunity. Anyone this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're so, so good. Lord, help us to have the correct view of who you are. Let's go to any extremes. Let's have a balanced view of who you were. We don't want to put you into a box. We don't want our own, try and make you fit into what we own view of what we think you should be. Lord, we want a revelation of who you are. Lord Jesus, as a Savior and Messiah and Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just do what you want to do, Lord, in each of our lives this morning. Lord, as we submit to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.